Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Naked Leadership Podcast. This is Chad. This week, I sit down with Dan and Adrian once again, and we're talking about mining resources. It's a little phrase that I use to talk about the experience when we're faced with a challenge in our business. Resources are often the difficult thing to find to help us overcome these challenges, and usually they're readily available to us. We just don't quite know where to find them. So this whole conversation is about how do we find or mine the resources that are available to us. Can't wait for you to have a listen. Before we jump in, I want to remind you we have a Revenant process coming up the end of June in Nashville, Tennessee. We would love to have you there. This is our four-day intensive public training. Dan and Adrian both uh, facilitate this training, and it is life-changing. You can go to wearerevenant.com. Again, it's wearerevenant.com or just click in the link in the show description and uh, we'd love to see you there. All right, let's dive in. Hey gentlemen, Adrian, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. We're good. Thanks. Dan, how are you? I'm asleep. Somewhere else. How dare you wake me up? (laughs) I'm grateful to be here with you guys. Yeah, always. It's always a fun, stimulating conversation. I always learn so much. I mean, we were, you know, as we've been talking about recently, you know, we've got this Revenant training coming up and, um, one of the things that always happens for participants and even for us in the front, like as we're with the room as a training, end up saying something I didn't know I needed to say. Mm. Or, and, and so in some ways, we're like, it just hits me as the phenomenon. I'm like, I'm learning from myself. And that's always what happens in the podcast when we like explore an idea. Um, and as we jump into this topic today, it's like, I'm going to, I know I'm going to learn a lot. And I part, part and, and I'm going to learn from Chad. I'm going to learn from Dan. I'm actually going to learn from myself. There's going to be things that come out of my mouth that I'm like, Oh, that's an interesting idea. Hold on. Who yeah. said that? Oh, I did. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's pretty smart. Yeah. Weird. 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 Hey, well, I, I, this, this topic was, uh, uh, spurred by a few conversations that I'm currently having with some of my own clients. Uh, particularly one, I have a new client who is the CEO of a tech company. They're, they're developing some software and, um, this guy is incredible. Um, and he obviously has brought me on to help him work through some of the, the challenges that they're currently having. They're growing rapidly. They're selling faster than they can keep up with yada, 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 yada. And it's a resource conversation a lot of the times. Um, and the pattern that I'm noticing is that in the challenge, he often does not see the possibility for resources. And as somebody who's outside of it, I, well, let me just say, I know this experience personally, Mm -hmm. right? Being in the challenge and not being able to see the potential of resources that are available to me, what's on the table, who could I reach out to all of that sort of stuff, very much the experience he's in. So our, a lot of our coaching context is mining for re I call it mining for resources or like really just getting everything on the table. That might be a possibility, everything that we're discounting, not thinking about, and then some. And so I just wanted, I wanted to have a conversation 
with you guys about it mostly so I can take all your brilliance and then like, you know, go put it on my coaching calls and make it look like me. But, uh, also <laughs> I just think it'll be a powerful conversation. So, um, I'm, I'm interested in this experience of what's going on when we're in the midst of a challenge that seems, I don't want to say insurmountable, but just, you know, it can be a blinding experience. What's, what's happening. Why are we blind? I think, the world is an abundant place. I think relationships are an abundant resource, but we often can't don't, we choose not to see them when we're in the midst of something that's challenging. What's why what's going on. Well, I personally, I, th I think you have to care enough about what you're up to, to challenge your comfort. I think that's the first threshold is that a, I have something I care enough about, that improving and or breaking through seeing something new in that area is worth it. And, and I'm thinking particularly about back to my childhood where the most powerful experience I had that was when my mother was hospitalized and I definitely wanted to be connected to her. I wanted, I didn't want to lose her. And so I had to care enough to challenge my own comfort level. I remember going into the hospital and how uncomfortable the hospital was initially and eventually how it became almost like a home. But I remember how alienated I felt mm. in that environment and that part of discovering what it took to break through to her, to have a connection with her, started with my, own, my willingness to challenge the level of comfort by which I live my life. That, the, that I probably have exhausted or know very well and very well acquainted with the resource that exists in the areas where I'm comfortable and that the new comfort, the new resource lives outside of where I'm comfortable. And now am I willing to go there? I've got to be willing to live in, mm. I see the value in pioneering that space. And it, so how this would relate to a client would be anybody you speak to has a problem. And if they're in a chronic complaint, they know the problem very well. And they're going to tell you how much they know the problem. I'm of course, I'm speaking as if I'm talking about somebody else. I'm actually confessing. So, they, you know, I, I know the problem really well. And then you come along, Chad, in your optimism, and you're asking me to challenge how I'm looking at the, at the problem. You're, you're, and I'm assuring you I've already thought of that. Mm -hmm. Right? Because I don't want to waste any more energy because my biologically, because I want to keep this spacesuit alive and I might need that energy. Right. Mm. But you're asking me to look at it from a different perspective, think, believing it may open up a possibility I never saw before, because you're acquainted with the fact that where I'm uncomfortable is probably where the possibility is. You know, the old Campbell, Joseph Campbell thing that the, the treasure you're looking for is in the dark cave you don't want to go into. Mm -hmm. and, and that's how I think about this is that where I'm most confident, where I think I'm most, I most know the problem is probably what needs some reinvention. That I probably don't know it as well as I think. And there's probably something there I don't, I'm not seeing because I'm too busy convincing myself, gathering evidence that I know that it won't work. Right. So I think that's one of the first, in, that's the first, um, first level of endeavor. And it's an interpersonal endeavor that is probably going to need to be, that chasm has got to be crossed. And I think that's challenging if you're a coach or a leader, someone who's working to have somebody break through to find a resource where they never had it before, they're going to be busy telling you how they can't. 
And if mm. you don't shift that conversation, well, then you're not going to see new sales, new business, new new possibility to to break through, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Pe- people get really very committed to what won't work. <laughs> yeah. Which is usually yeah. stands as the antithesis of what they say they want, which they want something to work, but they're really, it's, inv- it's unconscious for them how committed they are that, that there's no new possibilities out there, which is usually that they have, they've fully examined all the options, which is like, you know, the, the, the things that are naturally, it's like the tools in the tool belt. You know, I, I was out, yeah. I was out golfing, excuse me, this last weekend, I get all cut, get all teary eyed when I talk about golf. No, I just choked <laughs> on my own spit. Um, <clears throat> I was out golfing this weekend and playing with these random three guys, um, and, uh, they, they're all part of this company. There's one guy that's the owner, one guy's the CEO, one guy's the son of the owner. And, um, you know, we eventually we're having a chit chat about who they are and, you know, what they do and what I do and da, 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 da. And, um, they have a very successful, uh, camera company working in the studio world and on shoots and whatever they've been in six cities and blah, blah, blah. And, um, and when he asked me what I did, he said, oh yeah, we're really into that. And, and he said to me, he said, and he kind of hit, I'm listening to his summary of what he thinks my work is. He said, people could always use new tools for the tool belt. And I thought that's interesting that that's for them. That's what coaching is new tools for the tool belt. And those are like the tool belt is like the set of options. Mm. You know, it's like, okay, which of my tools can I use for this thing? Yeah. And and people are exa- get have when they fully exhausted those, they say, I still can't do this thing because I don't have the tool, which is usually code for, I don't have a previous relationship to the thing that usually fixes this, or I'm seeing something I've not seen before. And I look down at my tool belt, I don't have the right tool. So let me just complain about what's happening. And so, and that's normal. And instead of thinking about what are the possibilities that I'm not considering, or how, or how, you know, even in a very silly example, I'm, I'm literally using a tool to put up some new shelves in my son's room and I don't have the right tool bit for it. And I could go downstairs and go, but I don't want to walk downstairs. I just want to make this thing work. How can I make something work that didn't, wasn't made for the hand? You know what? It worked. I just needed to shift myself, which has become more patient, slow down, you know, you're not going to be able to drill it in like you did before. You got to do it this new way in order to make this thing work. So that, anyway, people get stuck on, on options mm-hmm. and they're probably right about it. Um, that, that, that none of these old options are going to work for that, but they stop looking, which is to your point, Dan, they stop looking for something new. They, they just try to be stuck. They end up being very stubbornly persistent about, let me just hit harder or do the old thing more. And they're under strain. Yeah, and so. you think about it, options and possibilities are distinct. Yes. Right? <clears throat> so I know for me, an option is I, I look at something and I see a, an array of possible actions. It's an array that comes, and I see that array of possible actions because of the way I'm viewing it or what I'm aiming at. <clears throat> if I change my aim, I will see a different array of of actions the change of 
view is the possibility, right? So if you think about it, I know for me, one of the ways when I was a young sales guy, I would always take on the challenges nobody else wanted. And A, because one, I knew I'd be, I like autonomy. And they usually people are like, okay, take it. Just get it out of here and go do it. Two. Um, do it. Just do it away from me. Yeah. It was just like, look, <laughs> nobody seems to be able to handle this. Like I remember I, when I, I worked in this one organization and, and <clears throat> one of the difficult things was selling a particular, particular type of customer. And the customer was culturally, you could, in their culture, they had a certain approach. And for some reason, they always got the best of this, the organization I'm working with. And, and I, I got, I enjoy meeting new people and new cultures. So I got involved in the culture and I realized that what they were really interested in was they wanted the best deal. And they were always buying, they would go, it was, we were selling cars, right? And, and understanding that they wanted the best deal, I would, I would just make a mistake in the addition and it would look like I made a $2,000 mistake and they'd want to close the deal. And I'd close the deal. <laughs> and, and I had pumped the price up $2,000, made the price on purpose. And if they were honest, that's great. I'd give them a better deal. And if they didn't say anything, they'd get that deal. They'd get the, the I'd, I'd close them at cost. I'd, I mean, I'd close them at full price. Now that that's understanding, like I saw that possibility when I started to understand what I was working with culturally, like, okay, they're going to drive the hardest bargain they can. And if they're dishonest, they see me make a mistake. They're going to close the deal quickly because they want the benefit. If they're honest, they'll show me and I'll, and I'll close the deal. and I'll give them even a better deal. Right. And I let them decide and it worked out well. And I did very well and I advanced very quickly and I developed in, in, in the game. So the point is, if, if, am I willing to answer the challenge nobody else is? Because that challenge, usually where that challenge is, there's bigger pay, but you've got to be willing to fail your way into it. It takes humility because it took a while to do that. I got hammered for, I think, a couple of months before I discovered exactly what was going on and why it was so hard to bring these these particular, this cultural uh, approach to a close. And I got very good at international business doing it. And we were selling all over the, all over the world, but this happened in a car dealership and it benefited me later on is like, listen to the culture. Listen. That was one of the things, well, what does this person want? What are they coming from? How can I best give it to them? Right. What, what does it open up that I never considered before? Yeah. You know, I, I, I also worked with, dealing with you know ship broking and and dealing with the middle eastern cultures and the eastern cultures is very different than dealing with the western cultures you know in the eastern cultures when in the middle eastern cultures particularly if they can take advantage of you that's that means you weren't paying attention right and if you could take advantage of them they honored that i was like oh you caught me right good job for you and that garnered respect well most americans looked at that as oh they're they're not they don't have integrity. No, they actually do. They just have a different basis for integrity than we do. And if we could, if I could enter that, I could become partners with them and make it work. And I did. Mm. So the ability to be able to see something as it is opens up possibility that wouldn't be there if you saw it the way you think it should be. 
Mm-hmm. And, and you got to start with the way you think it should be to connect to the way it is, <laughs> if that makes any sense. This comes up a lot in my conversations with my clients. Um, they will, in some sort of challenge or even some sort of conflict with another person, um, they have made up what the possibilities are with the other person, right? Like they will make some statement of like, he does this or he thinks this, or she does this, or she thinks this. And, um, and when I'll ask them like, well, how do you know that? Well, I just know, I just know that that's who they are. That's how they've, that's how they've always been that, you know, there's no, there's no more possibility there. Yeah. I said, well, have you asked them? Well, no, I don't need to ask. Right. So it's this, it's this train of conversation. I know that's right. (laughs) Because yeah. yeah, I, I thought the guys I was working with were prejudiced when I realized they were just intimidated. They were intimidated because the guys they were working with in the Middle East were sharp and they mm. weren't fooling around and they were there to make money and they were they were focused on what they were doing. And when I started working with them, I was so impressed with the, le- the level of detail and what they knew, not only about the market, but about us but about the Western culture and how we deal. It was like the mo- one of the most entertaining and educational experiences I've ever had. But that, that it goes right to your point. You can make something up about somebody moralizing about who they are and then ratifying that, and you're never going to see the possibility. You're mm-hmm. only going to be right about how it can't get done. And the, the, the man or woman who's willing to challenge their own mindset about who's over there is probably going to find a way to make it work. Yeah. Well, and I mean, there's a, there's a couple of themes coming out of the conversation, right? So um, uh, your first thing, Dan, about, you know, you, you re, so I think one of the bigger points is here is like in, in times of stress uh, that automatically is a big invitation for folks to go into survival mode. Um, and if you can stay loose, like stay out of survival mode, some new possibilities show up and, and then you get to reorient yourself to some things that you had a previous orientation, even like a small thing, like you used failure, even in like the, you know, you strategically, you know, misadded the ticket item or whatever the thing was, Yeah, you know, I and that to hook them. Yeah. Yeah. And you wouldn't do that. Like in, in 99% of your life, you wouldn't No want to do that, but you did it here and like made yourself look like a fool. And that was a gift to the relationship. It was. And they love the deal they got and everybody was happy. That's right. Or if like I'm working with someone that I don't, that I don't trust or that's out to get me or is going to lie and cheat and steal most of the time in life, we stay away from those people, quote unquote, or I can engage them in a way and know where they're coming from. And I can we, you know, jump back in the conversation, knowing all that. And all of a sudden I have a new orientation towards what was previously a threat or I'm better than, or have any kind of like preset judgment of, and I can get off that, see that judgment, know that judgment. And then I can jump back in and see where the resource is. Cause it yeah. was a huge resource because they, you know, using your story as the example, it's like, there's so much money being left on the table because other people were better than them. There, there's so what you're describing is like you really got finding resource has a lot to do with really allowing yourself to connect with the context you're in. Right. right? So I'm thinking about, you know, there are a number of different situations as we've been talking that I, this is, I think one of the things that I'm good at is just like my brother hired me to come in and help him sell. He was doing some stuff with car sales 
to dealerships. And if you think it's hard selling a car to a, a car, you know, to a, the general public, go try to sell a dealer, right? Because you get about 10 minutes with them. If you don't hook them, you're done, right? And they've heard every pitch in the world. And so he had me come in and sit down and watch the, the pitch he would do with a number of them. And one of them, I'll never forget, I started noticing a pattern that there was a, a series of questions that they would ask and that the questions were predictable. And, and I said to Corey, I said, if you could show these guys that they're as predictable as their customers, you will get them hooked. And so we, we actually did this little game where we put, he had three envelopes. There were three responses at a, per, at a certain time that a, that a, that a guy, that a, a dealer would make. At, at a certain time in his pitch, he would ask him a question. He'd get th one of three questions, one of three answers. So we wrote each answer down in a different envelope and put them in his pocket. And and he knew which one was where, like, you know, one, one in the back, one in the middle, one in the front, right, right in his pocket. And if when he got to that place of the pitch, he'd ask the question and, and he'd get the response. And he, he before he says, before you, you know, you get the response and, and he'd tell the guy, say, if you were as predictable as your customer, would you want to know? Now, to a what do you think that to a car dealership, a guy running a car dealership, he'd definitely want to know. So, you, go, you know, that's like a setup. The guy say, yeah, I want to know. And then he would pull out of his pocket the response that the guy just gave because he knew it, one of the three, and then it got his attention, and then he could do the full pitch. The guy wanted to sit down and see the full pitch. But all we, the thing was, the way we got there was we kept getting rejected within the first 10 minutes, and we couldn't figure out why. So I was just listening while he pitched and listened, to, and I noticed these, We went, I think it was five or six of them, and I went, man, Corey, look at this. And we had so much fun. We went back and bang, we started knocking them out like a 90% closing rate. You know, once we got past that, that one section where we get hooked, you have to hook their attention. And if you think about that, the, every, every problem, it, it reveals itself in a context of a commitment. Like what I, I want to get something done and I'm going after it. And every time I go after it, I get stopped. What is it that's stopping me? I have to keep in mind what I want to get done. And then what comes into view is what the nature of the stop is. And that very stop is where the possibility is. You know, the old obstacle is the way. Whereas most of us relate to the obstacle as a problem rather than an opportunity, right? To, to reinvent and, re, and, and find resource, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a big key is being able to see the obstacle as a possibility. Like, okay, that's, there's resource here. I'm not looking at what am I missing? So you guys are starting to make a bridge or a, or a turn. We kind of started like what, what, how do we not see options? How do we not resource or not see resources in the, in the, in the face of challenge? And you've now turned to start to make some distinction about how we can create resource or how we can see resource uh, for ourselves. And so I want to be explicit about some of these. Um, cause that was one of my questions is like when we're in challenge and, uh, we're not seeing possibilities, we're not seeing ways to do it new. Um, what, what can we do to start revealing some of the resources that might be available to us? Adrian, you said, a, um, a term that I thought was interesting. You said, stay loose, <laughs> 
Yeah. What, what the hell does stay loose mean? I wrote it down. Stay loose. I did too. All right, man. I'm loose. I'm, stay loose. Let's get it done. Well, you know, I'm just, I was, I'm thinking about myself when I get all stressed out, and um, I can end up getting really tight. You know, the opposite of loose. I get really um, myopic. Mean like how only about a million times this week have I been stubbornly persistent. Like there's one way to get this thing done. It's got to go this way. And I add extra force behind it and you might force the option through instead of slowing down, considering the, op, you know, considering the possibilities, all the things we're talking about here. So part of, you know, if I'm, if I'm loose around it, first off, I get off of what I think I'm so myopic about. It's got to be this solution and stop and stop strategizing how to make my idea work. Number one, mm. number two is <laughs> when I'm under stress, I go to my number one asset, which in my mind is me. You know, I, I don't know if anybody relates to that one, but it's like if, if, and this is, I think the challenge for lots of high performers. I mean, most, most clients that I talk to under stress, they know that they're the most, that they have as much or more talent than most people in the room. And, and so a lot of times under stress, the world goes away because they're thinking about how they have to save the day. And so part of looseness is, uh, is being, being willing to own the fact that I might not be the answer to this, to today's dilemma. And yeah. people would, ra they'd rather not explore how the, the challenges of the, the, the couple things. One is how challenging it really is. The situation really is because we don't want to know how severe it is. Cause if it's really severe, then I actually must take action. And if I don't have the answer already, I don't want to be forced to take action. So I won't explore the necessity for a new solution. Second is they don't want to get caught with their pants down. Like they're the damn it. I'm the leader. So I need to be the answer person up here. And if I don't have the answer, then I'm going to look bad in front of my people. That's I think part of the mythology culturally. So but that's that's a pretty slim view of leadership instead of like, oh, I'm here to actually create the environment in which the right solutions come to the table instead of be the solution person. So a lot of times under stress, people get really myopic and self um, get authoritarian, get like, oh, and I've got to be the one instead of um, maybe I'm the one to generate the conversation where the new one shows up to answer answer the call. And that's, that would require a lot of humility and that would require um, some trust that they might not be up for practicing like in that moment in time, especially if, you know, we got five seconds left of the clock, that type of thinking. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta be open-handed. You gotta be willing to deal with what's there, what you got. Yeah. So when I say stay loose, I really mean kind of getting off of yourself. Number one, out self-importance, but then also, trusting people yeah which you know yeah, like, which is very different than using people yeah. yeah well trusting people very interesting because like we, we talked about in that scenario i brought up you, you you can trust people in a way that you know that ultimately anybody can betray you but trusting them is is trusting that kind of having a sense of how they're going to respond or react based on their set of values and their set of their their set of interests. And knowing what you're aiming at, if you really want to find resource, you, you really got to know what you're aiming at. And a lot of times we did, I know just speaking from my own experience, I think I'm aiming at, at, at like I want to have a certain outcome, 
But why do I want that outcome? What intangible sense of value do I get from the outcome? That's really what I'm aiming at. Mm. Right? I don't buy a car because I want a car. I buy a car because I want to get somewhere. I want the convenience of it. That's, a, that's an intangible. I want people to look at me or I want the prestige of it. That's an intangible. I want, there's a million different things I could list, but there's intangible value I've associated with this particular position, whatever. And that's what Adrian's talking about. If I get locked into that position, <clears throat> I may not see other ways to obtain that in, that intrinsic or intangible, if you will, intangible value because I'm too stuck on the position I think is going to give it to me. So being aware of those positions in me makes me more flexible. Like, okay, why do I want this thing? Is there another way to have that intangible accomplished without doing that? Could I give this person more of what they want? Is there something I could shift in this situation where it all of a sudden the person I'm stuck on or the situation I'm stuck in becomes more resourceful because I'm able to get it another way. Right. Mm -hmm. And that takes some discipline that takes the, that takes preparation. And most people don't tend to prepare. At least I'm speaking again, more of a confession. I don't tend to prepare enough before I sit down and negotiate something or I, go, I sit down and engage something, negotiate, meaning I'm looking to persuade or influence people in a certain direction. Have I really understood, connected with, and, you know, kind of evaluated what I'm dealing with? You know, what are the, what are the choices I have here? What does that other person want? Why do they want them? Why do I want this? How can we bring that together? Mm-hmm. Right? Or if there's more than one party, same situation. It takes more work that way. Yeah. If you think about it, if you don't take the time to do that, you're probably going to spend more work unraveling the mess that you created because you didn't prepare. <laughs> right. So I, I, to me, preparing, I know Adrian and I prepare for every client. And remember, we, we, we started doing that because we blew it up a couple of times because we didn't prepare. And we went, you know, we ought to meet before we meet with these clients <laughs> way back when we started. I can't remember. We blew a couple of them up pretty good. So I've noticed a pattern in my life. I don't know if there's any other, um, (laughs) any, any other uh, Debbie Downers or Eeyores out there, but I can bend pretty pessimistic. Um, Up until now, uh, I I have a, I have a new practice and I'm actually noticing a lot of, um, a a lot of change in my life there. But I, I, here's the pattern that I notice is that, when I am certain or at least more attracted to the thoughts of this thing, not turning out, mm. I don't see possible resources, but when I see the possibility of this thing turning out, like having a vision of it, oh, Dan, one question that you uh, brought into my life is like, how good could this turn out? Like, what is the best possible way I could even imagine this thing turning out? And even that just that shift in vision for where we're going, where this challenge will end, seems to open up opportunity, possibility, and resource for me. Because it's like, well, I don't know if I know for me, the, the experience is like, well, now I have something worth fighting for. 
as, as you talked about, Dan, now I have something worth getting uncomfortable for. Yeah. Breaking right? out of it. Yeah. yeah. Cause failure or, or some like gray future in this thing does not motivate me to get uncomfortable and start mining no, the resources. And, and we're, I had a client that the other day, she was online and she works for a, a fairly, um, the, a boss who tends to be fairly disconnected from anything but their own concerns. And, and so she was figuring out how to, how to work with her. And she was afraid to bring certain things up because she was afraid it would offend her boss, but they were important to her. And I said, you know, she goes, she goes, I wish I could just get the courage. I said, well, the, what if you were just afraid of the wrong thing? Right. What if you were just afraid you're afraid of the momentary discomfort of breaking rapport with your, with her, you know, with your, um, with the, with the founder, when in fact, that's what may what be may be necessary to get the conversation on the table. And so if let's just talk about if you don't get that on the table, what's that going to look like? And she, she created, I go, you need a, I, I think I said to her first, you need to create the parade of horribles for yourself. She goes parade of horribles. What's that? You know, what I'm talking about, right? Nate? And she's, she's, then she sat down and when we were done, she goes, Oh, I get it now. I, I really want to get to this conversation. This is a good kick in the butt. She told me it's a good kick in the butt. Uh, and I really didn't mean it that way, but, it, but if you start to really, you know, lay out what you're settling for, for what you're going to be getting, if that's out of balance, you're going to move in the right You're going to move in the direction that's most healthy. But most of the time, I'm so blindly optimistic about what I see that I don't tend to look out and see what I'm choosing when I choose this immediate pleasure or relief from the discomfort of dealing with the problem. What I'm actually setting up later on for myself, what is it I'm going to be eating in a week from now or a month from now or a year from now? Yeah. You know, I, I think as we, as we keep circling this idea around, around resources, you know, what, for, and even what you were saying, Dan, you know, this actually, this movie scene comes to mind, which is a very odd movie scene. Um, but maybe just because I, anyway, in, in one of the later, I think it's probably the second or third Jason Bourne movie. Oh yeah. You know, he's like, he's, he's, he's fighting one of the guys that they sent to go kill him. And he's in Morocco, I think. And he's running across this rooftop and they've got, they've got security measures in place. These kind of ancient security measures, which is like on the edge of the, on the edge of the rooftop is just glass. That's been like, you know, cemented in, you know? Yeah. And, and the thing I love that's romantic for me about Jason Bourne is he can use anything to get something done. You know, he's kind of like MacGyver meets MacGyver. Hogan, right? Yeah. Um, and he's, and, and, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy that one for a second. So in, in the moment, he like, you know, he's, so he's running across and he could, this is what made me think about it, Dan. He could just put his hands on the thing and slice his, slice his hands all up. Instead, as he's running across, he sees this clothesline and grabs a shirt and wraps his hands up in the shirt and then uses that to pat himself and then jumps so, and then, you know, and catapults himself onto the next rooftop. Now, what does that have to do with this? Is It's a shirt. 
The thing on the clothesline is a shirt. I know what it is. I know what it's for. I know what it's been made for. This is the way to use a shirt is to put it on when you need to cover yourself. That's what it, no, no. Because Jason was clear about what he was doing and the trouble that he was up against. He transformed the shirt into something else. Into a glove. That's right. Into a glove. And that's usually when people get stuck and like I not utilizing resources because I'm seeing things as they've been instead of seeing things as they could be seen and finding new, new utility. Yeah. We, we typically do this with human beings a ton, like what it, like, which has come up. Like, I know what he is. I know what, what he's going to do. I know what she's going to do. I know what they are, blah, blah, blah. Instead of, I wonder, I wonder what I'm missing. I wonder what's possible here. And I mean, even just thinking about a conversation with a client yesterday, she was about to go have a, a conflict conversation with a person on her team that's older than her and been to the organization much longer than she has, but she reports to her, to my client. And this person is like a, um, a critic, very good at critiquing everything. And, um, but yet in the same time, doesn't want to be known as a critic. And same thing, like in, in this culture, it's a rah-rah culture. So it's like you're a critic and not a rah-rah person, you're shunned. So, but the conversation was about how can we use your natural ability of analyzing pitfalls to serve other people instead of using it as you do it to make yourself better than other people? That's good. Yeah, that's good. You know, like that's, that's, there's a, there's a shirt on the clothesline, damn it. And how could we use it? And that's a lot of, a lot of resources is to the principle here is, you know, how much do I think I don't have resources because I'm stuck in the way I'm looking at what I've been looking at instead of, I wonder what's here that I'm not seeing. Yeah. I wonder yeah. how it could transform my relationship to the thing. And all of a sudden the thing transforms. There's multiple yeah. dimensions of it. Or, yeah, well, yeah. You're, 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 so if I get a little, I'm going to go metaphysical on you. Make right? it better. Yeah. Go. It's awesome because in that moment, you're keeping your aim. I'm closer otherwise, to your mic. Dan. Otherwise, you're going to change your aim. You're going to change the aim. Like if, if I'm not willing to take that shirt and do it, if I, if I, because it's a shirt or whatever, if I'm not willing to challenge what I see, then my aim is more about being right or comfortable or predictable. I need the world to look a certain way. If my aim is to really have it turn out, then I'm going to be willing to, um, I'm going to see the possibility of that shirt. I'm suggesting that that the reason Bourne sees the shirt as a possibility or an option in this case of dealing with the the, the glasses because he's so aimed at getting through, getting out, getting up, getting to the other side. Right? He, he's not. He didn't allow his personal comfort to become the aim, which I think happens. For all of us, we get up against a problem that seems insurmountable, and then all of a sudden we reconsider our survival needs and make them our aim, right? And, mm. and that, to me, that's where character is, is in that transition point at that crossroads. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, turning outward instead of inward. Yeah, towards the team instead of away from the team. Right. Yeah. Towards the resource, towards the situation instead of away from it, and instead of resisting it, surrendering to it. Yeah. Hugging that cactus. Yeah. This is well, fantastic. Well, it, go it, ahead, hits, it hits me. Yeah. It just hits me. I mean, principally as well as people are like in, in a spot in which they need more resource and they, it seems like 
they don't have it. And so what are we choosing when we don't have resource? We're choosing to be stuck. You know, on that rooftop, the Jason board analogy, he could have said, oh shit, I don't have something to protect my hands. I'll just turn around and fight this guy. Instead, he keeps going because he, you know, he, because he saw that and he's like, he didn't want to stay there. He wanted to keep moving forward. And some, sometimes, you know, to decide that, Hey, I'm not, we're not going to stay here. We're not going to get stuck here. Yeah. And we're not, not going to make the best of the options we have. We're going to push through. Now we're going to have to reinvent ourselves and have some fresh conversations, talk about what we don't want to talk about, probably clean up stuff that we've been neglecting for a long time. Um, maybe hire, you know, as a, as a business owner decide, I need to spend a lot more money on some reason. I need to, you know, hire a bunch of people. I've been putting that off as long as I need to, but now's the time or I need to fire some people, which is, you know, challenging, difficult and emotionally tolling and whatever, but there's usually a price to be paid. Um, yeah. if I choose to move forward, no matter what, instead of being stuck and then collecting evidence, why I have to be here. And there's a price for each. No matter what we do, we're going to pay that price, one price yep. or mm -hmm. the other. The um, It's interesting because I was thinking about what we actually have very specific ways of revealing this stuff. Right. That, that's what it, it, part of what I we're talking pretty at, at a high level. And I think people can relate to it. But what I want to let the listeners know is we have a very specific set of frameworks that can that help us when that help us get to uh, discovering these things. There's ways of relating to the breakdown that it, while you're in it, that can reveal these things in a dynamically real time, you know, in the moment, right? And that's what we work with our clients on. Is that is, are these disciplines, right? These aren't the, why we're fairly connected to these kinds of dynamics is because we're in them all day long and we're applying very clear principles. It's more like having a compass rather than a map that can help you find and discover and pioneer new territory that you, you know, new ground <laughs> that, that you, in, you really want to take, but been frustrated or stopped for some reason. Some of it's impossible to do on your own. Yeah, oh. well, absolutely. Sure. Well, for sure. We're, I mean, there's enough research already that shows we're a lot smarter together than we are apart. <laughs> and the key is to find those people that are committed to what you're committed to and then right. connect with them and then basically mind meld with them in a way that you can work with the collective intelligence to, to forward your own work. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's why teamwork is, I mean, that's, I know Adrian and I, we want, we put this together because we wanted to be, we wanted to work on a team. We didn't want to work solo. Yeah. For this very reason. Yeah. Well, and you know, the, so I have this experience all the time. Anytime I'm in a training room and, and co-training something with Dan, um, I'm always like, holy shit, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. I didn't see that. I wouldn't have gone there. That <laughs> is shit. What? That wasn't even on my radar, which is like great news. And um, for me, because um, I'm learning in that situation. And just even, even as, as you're listening, if you're still with us, if, as you're listening, thinking about, what are some questions? So, I mean, one of the simple questions is to ask somebody close to you that's familiar with the challenges. What am I not seeing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What am I not? I know I'm not, I know I'm not seeing something first off to say that and believe that. Um, I know I'm not seeing something because I'm stuck. So what am I not seeing? Help me see something I'm not seeing. 
that type of humility just opens up a conversation where some resource that was right there. I mean, even to your point earlier, Chad, where people are very satisfied with the limitations that come with the judgment they have of somebody else. And your simple question, well, have you asked them about that? And they said, no, of course I have it, blah, blah, blah. Well, were you up for being wrong about your judgment? Because it would be helpful if you were wrong. Yeah. I mean, if you stay right about your judgment, then you keep what you got now. I hear you saying you'd like it not to be like it is now. So you might want to go find out where your dogma is ruining your life you know, creating this situation that you don't like. So questioning a lot of these assumptions is a wonderful first place to start. And others can help you see what they are. Right on. Yep. That's right. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought it to that, Dan, because that's where I wanted to end. Um, we, we can be a resource for that. Uh, we are a resource for that, for leaders every single day who are working to um, become or, or create the, the, the most meaningful impact they can both in their organizations and their lives. So um, this is the work and I absolutely love it. I love watching somebody discover resources that they didn't see before. That's a really, really fun experience. So um, anyway, thank you so much, gentlemen. What a great conversation. Yeah, great to be with you. Chad, you're awesome. Thanks for doing this. Of course. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. my friends, thank you so much for listening to yet another conversation on the Naked Leadership Podcast. Your listenership and commitment to the podcast means the world to us. If this podcast or these conversations has helped or inspired you in any way, would you mind going to Apple Podcasts and leaving a five-star rating and a glowing review? This helps us grow the movement and reach more leaders and teams. Finally, the greatest compliment that you can give us is sharing the podcast with your teams and the other leaders in your life. Until next week, bye-bye everybody. Bye-bye.